What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I'm Joe Levy, and you're listening to Final Sessions, Harry Nilsson's Lost and Found. Throughout this series, we've been looking at the long journey that led to the release of Harry's final album, more than 25 years in the making. This is episode four, our final one. It's called Cut to an Old Man, Thinking About His Lifespan. A look at Harry's songs of love and death. I went to see him at Cedar sinai and I said to the woman, I'm, I'm here to see Harry Nielsen, and the woman just pointed down the hall. And I, <laughs> as I start walking down the hall, I hear Harry yelling, Get out of here, leave me alone, you son of a... I said, just get out. Harry yelling. That's Mark Hudson, the producer of Harry's posthumous album, Lost and Found, talking about visiting Harry in the hospital in Los Angeles in February of 1993, after Harry had suffered a massive heart attack on Valentine's Day. And I walk into the room and he goes, Marky, and he's all hooked up to stuff. And I go, Harry, I could hear you down the hall. Yeah, I know the nurse is here. I hate him. I went, Harry, right now they're saving your life. He goes, if I ever have another heart attack and near the nurses, let me die. I went, no, 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 please, please. And his sense of humor was there, and he was hooked up to stuff, no matter what. And that really tells the whole story. Yeah. There's more than one story like this about a friend visiting Harry in the hospital. Some of them involved demands from Harry to bring a bottle of brandy and some cigarettes, but not this one, because by the early 90s, Harry had given up drinking and drugs, although not smoking. I always tried to get him to stop smoking. Like, you know, he goes, oh, come on, I got to do something. And I did something once that I regret. I went to a joke store and they had the cigarette loads where you can put like in this thing and the cigarette explodes. And I put it in this thing and I knew it was going to be coming out and Harry, you gotta stop. No, come on. It helps my voice. It doesn't help your voice. And you go, yeah, yeah, don't worry. And then just, boom, it exploded. And he went, you son of a bitch. I said, hey, you didn't finish it. And that became our sort of thing. But it was like, you know, I worried about his health. My studio is this funky little place. He would walk to the top of the steps and he'd have to sit down for 15 minutes because he was having trouble breathing. And then once he was there, he'd become that thing. That thing was Harry the songwriter and recording artist. Harry hadn't released an album in over a decade. He'd turned away from music after the assassination of John Lennon, and he'd long been without a label contract. But he hadn't stopped writing songs. Cassettes, I can't describe how many cassettes there were. He'd have a green set, and it would be Harry Ideas. And then it'd be an orange cassette that would say, Harry Courses. Then there would be another one, Br'er Rabbit, where he just was doing the spoken word. There was such a volume of material. Now and then I'd be able to say, you know, when did this happen? He goes, Marky, I'm a songwriter. It's what I'm supposed to do. 
Over the last few years, Hudson had coaxed Harry back into the studio to turn those cassettes into songs. On one of the first ones they worked on, the title track to Lost and Found, Harry gave that thing a name, Rescue Boy. By the early 90s, it wasn't just his career that needed some help from Rescue Boy. It was his family as well. In April of 1991, just two months after he and his wife Una had celebrated the birth of their son Oscar, Harry got a foreclosure notice for their house in Hidden Hills, California, a big place in the San Fernando Valley with room for their six kids. That was how he discovered his financial manager had looted his accounts. Harry, who had never really performed live, preferring the blank canvas of the studio over the repetitions of the road, began to consider touring. Can you remember what I sort it was? I played with my career rather than take it very seriously. You know, I think that was a mistake, I think. But You'd do it differently now? I think I would. Although, on the other hand, I'm looking forward to signing a record deal and going out and doing PAs, which I've never done. So I've got a whole thing to look forward to, you know. That's Harry on the radio in New York, being interviewed by Pete Fornatel in June of 1992. He would find a way to pay off all of his debts in full and pull his family out of bankruptcy by the time of his death, though there would be no tour or album deal. The last few years of his life were difficult, physically, emotionally, but still, a whole thing to look forward to. And you can hear Harry turning all this over in his music, as he always had. In Lost and Found, one of the first songs he recorded at Mark Hudson's studio, Harry's focus goes from big to small. He starts out singing about the president and the homeless, lost souls who aren't cared for by their government, and then he hones in on a couple, cut to an old man, thinking about his lifespan. Cut to an old man, thinking about his lifespan. He would always talk about Una and the kids. That was always the, you know, the main thing. And he goes, you think they'll miss me? He said, Harry, that's the stupidest question ever. Of course they will. Yeah, but I'm difficult. I said, yeah, so am I. And I'm missed. At least my alimony payment is missed. And he laughed at that. <laughs> and, and he goes, do you think so? And I went, you are such part of the music industry. Even though you never played live and all that stuff, everybody's going to always know and remember Harry Nielsen. And especially your family. Especially. Harry sang about wanting to be remembered even when he was in his prime. On the 1974 record John Lennon produced for him, Pussycats, there's a ballad called Don't Forget Me, where he looks at a future when we're older, full of cancer, and then shrugs that off saying, it doesn't matter now. Come on, get happy because nothing lasts forever, but I will always love you. Harry often sang about life and death as a circle, going all the way back to think about your troubles from the point in 1971, where he talks about a teardrop that lands in a teacup and goes down the drain, out into the sea where it gets swallowed by some fish, or swallowed by a whale, who grows so old, he decomposes on the ocean floor, gives his basic elements back into the water, which comes out of a faucet, at which point it's ready for the tea kettle and the cycle starts all over again. And remember, this is not just a pop song with a buoyant melody. It's on the soundtrack to a cartoon for kids. That helical scan of perpetual life without having to bring in Jesus or a sitar. He did a very good job hitting it religion light. That's Harry's longtime friend and collaborator, the songwriter and arranger Van Dyke Parks. 
He's wrestling with God. He's boxing with God. Harry had a big boxing problem with God. But I think that he was absolutely skeptical and at the same time incredibly convinced and quiet about his certainty. He was a man of great conviction, but this idea of finding a way to a gentlemanly pursuit of, you know, songs that console. It's very consoling to think about life cycle than a drop of water. Me and my the point, a lot of that material is very steeped in loss, but it's mostly major chords. It's mostly positive. It's mostly peppy sounding music. Even some of the most depressing lyrics are juxtaposed to that. And it, it's a really great effect. And he understood that. It was, it was conscious. Of, you know, it wasn't an accident that these things happen. That's Harry's son, Kifo, who plays bass on Lost and Found. He has an awareness throughout. I mean, there's a motif and a theme that you find throughout his lyrics of down. The word down shows up a lot. And loss and diminishing and this idea of plunging. Harry recorded songs called Down, Down by the Sea, and Going Down, the last of which includes some lighthearted yodeling, along with lyrics about drowning and emotions that are deeper than the ocean. You can hear all three of these songs on the companion playlist to the show. It's linked in our show notes. The ocean is another Nilsson leitmotif, often linked to death. Down by the Sea, which is from the album Do It on Monday, it's about a couple who retire to an oceanfront home after 40 years together. And was it all worth it, Harry asks. And who buries who? Will you bury me or I bury you? Even if you think they're burying each other in the sand on the beach, it's still a little creepy. Harry's next album was called Sandman, and the front cover was a picture of him sitting fully clothed on the beach. On the back cover, the clothes are empty, and they're encased by the claws of a giant crab. When I was growing up, that album kind of terrified me a little bit, that giant crab. <laughs> I always thought that was a very creepy image. The old man thinking about his lifespan in Lost and Found? He's headed for the ocean. But he's not alone. He's with a woman who seems to have dropped straight from heaven's gate. Two for the seashore, Harry sings. Later he says seesaw because love is an up and down thing. You can be lost and then you can be found... People who find each other, the whole idea of love, that's a miracle. Basically, it's sort of him talking about himself. If you actually listen to the lyric, the positive and negative side of Harry comes out on, you know, one for the government, one for the indigent. And then, you know, she was dropped from heaven's gate to the middle of a marketplace. And then God must have loved your face. God must have loved your face. There's all of that sort of Harry Nielsen cynical, Harry Nielsen sense of humor. And also the Harry Nielsen belief in love as redemption. As redemption, that's, that, that was his whole thing. As the title of one of the songs on Lost and Found puts it, love is the answer. There are a lot of love songs on Lost and Found, and most of them are not simple. Woman, oh woman, begins with the line, If you knew true devotion, you'd jump into the ocean and drown thinking of me. If you knew true devotion, you'd jump into the ocean and drown, going down, thinking of me. 
which is a strange start to a beautiful song that's full of twists and humor. There's a confessional moment where Harry starts apologizing for being unkind and then stops to say, oh no, there I go, thinking of me. And there's a winking double entendre when he starts singing about how the object of affection makes it uh, harder for him. And he goes, if I was blind by ignorance, and that's him looking at himself. If I was that stupid and I didn't see it, I'm really sorry for that. And the sound of curious meets the fear, and you start to look at it, and it's all autobiographical. And you can see he loved Una more than you can even imagine. He goes, just imagine, Marky, she puts up with me every day. I said, she's a saint, because I know I couldn't. And then he said, you know, F you. <laughs> we had a laugh about it. But the ticket was Una. Harry met Una in 1973. He was 32, she was 19, and had come to New York from Ireland, along with a friend, on a summer work exchange program. On a Sunday night in August, he walked into the ice cream parlor where she and her friend were working, And it was, for him at least, love at first sight. Basically, the first thing Harry ever said to me was, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen. Will you marry me? Obviously, no one had ever said anything like that to me before, but it was very special. And uh, he said, no, no, really. He said, what can I do to prove my intent? And we said, oh, well, we like flowers and we like melons. Now, you might think that's a very odd thing to say, but perhaps I'd never really... Well, I'd never eaten a honeydew melon. (laughs) Harry found the melons at a deli. The flowers were a little tougher coming up on midnight on a Sunday, but he bought them off a florist who was preparing for a funeral the next day. The end of the evening, when my friend and I were getting ready to leave, the manager came over and he said, there is a man waiting for you outside the kitchen. (laughs) And we were very excited and we went outside and there was Harry leaning nonchalantly against a long limousine. And on the pavement beside him, he had baskets of um, uh, flowers and melons and soft toys. They were married three years later. It was Harry's third marriage. The first lasted three years, the second, five. At the time of Harry's death, he and Una had been married 17 years. Pete Fornitale, back with you on the Sunday show with my special guest this morning, Harry Nielsen. We're kind of doing a uh, condensed version of This Is Your Life or something like that. I feel like I'm in a Fellini thing. (laughs) Are these mostly happy memories for you, Harry? Well, sure. Uh, The last 20 years flew by because, I mean, you you can't not have a good time when you're making a lot of money, you have some success, you have a beautiful wife and six kids, you know. The final track on Lost and Found is a cover of a song by Jimmy Webb called What Does a Woman See in a Man? Jimmy Webb told me that Harry really loved that song, which portrays women as angels and men as stinking orangutans who hang out in bars and tell stupid jokes. More than once after a night of drinking, Jimmy said, he would berate me for writing so many sad songs. He would tell me I needed a sense of humor. Well, this song has a sense of humor. He stinks to high heaven covered with hair and grunts like some old orangutan 
This was a rough one because of what it meant to Harry. You know, Harry loved Jimmy Webb, and they were really, really good friends. Really good friends. And Harry said, have you heard this song, What Does a Woman See in a Man? No. And then he played it for me, and it was so self-deprecating. And it's kind of like putting woman where they belong. He didn't mind being self-deprecating, where he could say, woman, oh, woman, like I'm this groovy guy that you should be loving. Then he could also say, you know something? And he felt that way about Una. He goes, you know, without her, I'm meaningless. What does a woman see? Jimmy Webb plays piano on the finished version of What Does a Woman See in a Man? He and Mark Hudson recorded it to Harry's vocal at a studio near Jimmy's home on Long Island. He describes hearing Harry's voice over the studio speakers as an unearthly experience, like having Harry back for that afternoon. And Mark Hudson says this happened a lot when Harry's old friends came in to record. Everyone had a moment working on this record, all of them, that wherever they were, you could see everyone's memory going back to a time that they had in the studio with Harry or personally with Harry, and they would know this. For Hudson, it became more than a memory. I don't want to sound cosmic in a land where you're not allowed to be cosmic anymore, but I started talking to him, like, in the day, like, in my car, and I'd be listening to all the tapes, and my wife would be in there, and I would, I would hear, what does a woman see in a man? And I would start crying. And she'd go, are you all right? I said, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not all right. Because I'm actually starting to believe that he's still here. That I would talk to him like we're talking right now. Harry, come on. Da, 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 da. And I would have that sort of thing that maybe I was too close to it. In some way, all albums are a form of conversation between the artist and the audience. This is a conversation that was interrupted for 25 years. More, really, because the last we heard from Harry Nilsson was 1980's Flash Harry, an album that ended with his cover of the Eric Idle song, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, from Monty Python's Life of Brian. Talk about a boxing match with God. But from the title track to What Does a Woman See in a Man?, Lost and Found fills in the missing years in our conversation with Harry Nilsson. I wanted everyone to hear what he was saying. Him being cynical, worried about life changes, the Beatles, his thing with his family, saying goodnight to his children, that what a woman sees in a man. You get to be with him for an entire week, a week of his life. It's all there. One last Harry story before we go, and there are so, so many I've left out. We didn't talk about Harry in numbers, but both Lee Blackman and Van Dyke Parks told me that he had an incredible mind for numbers. If you told him the date you were born off the top of his head, he'd tell you the day of the week it was. Or there's the one about Harry asking to borrow Jimmy Webb's new 1973 Jaguar XJ6 just for the afternoon, and then joyriding with a friend and a small arsenal of controlled substances all the way from Los Angeles to New York City. Harry sent the damaged automobile back to Los Angeles on a train, although he did have it fully restored. And if you're keeping score at home, the very next night when he got to New York, that was the Sunday in August where he met Una. So I guess the Lord really was in New York City. But this is a different story. From 21 years later, just a night or so before Harry died, he was driving home to see his wife and kids. 
He called Mark Hudson from his car. I'm a diabetic, as was he. And he said, you know, Marky, you know those Eskimo ice cream bars? Anyway, yeah. He goes, you know, how many of those are we allowed to have as a diabetic? And I went, well, I, I, th- I think maybe maybe two. And he goes, oh, no. I went, what? He goes, I just had six. I went, God, Harry, don't. He goes, but it tasted so good. I went, yeah, I know, but you're just not supposed to do that. It tasted so good, but you're not supposed to do that. These are the two poles Harry swung between so often, too often. So the next time you hear an impossibly great melody surrounding some impossibly sad words, or the next time you have an ice cream cone, think of Harry Nilsson. He didn't want to be forgotten. Thanks so much for listening to Final Sessions. It's really been an honor to tell the story of Harry Nilsson's Lost and Found and to get a chance to go in depth on his work and talk about the long journey this album took from him to you. Final Sessions, Harry Nilsson's Lost and Found, was written and narrated by me, Joe Levy. Our executive producers are Brian Jones for Bang Music and Audio Post and Sandy Smolens for Audiation. The show was recorded and mixed by Nick Cipriano and Paul Vitolinch, with additional recording and editing by Sandy Smolens. Harry's 1992 interview with the great New York DJ Pete Fornatel is courtesy of the Pete Fornatel Estate. If you're interested in Harry, you'll want to check out the documentary Who is Harry Nilsson and Why is Everybody Talking About Him? I also drew on the biography Nilsson, The Life of a Singer-Songwriter by Alan Shipton. Final Sessions is a production of Warner Chapel Music and Warner Music Group. Special thanks to Lee Blackman, Brad Rosenberger, and Ashley Winton, without whom this podcast and this album wouldn't exist. To go in-depth on the songs we talked about in this episode, you'll want to listen to our companion playlist, which is linked in our show notes. Be sure to check out Harry Nilsson's final album, Lost and Found, on Omnivore Recordings when it's released November 22nd. 